Welcome back, Sky fans, to the number one Chicago Sky podcast worldwide. It is the Skyhook Podcast. I am your host, Chris Pennant, alongside the founder, the originator, often imitated, never quite duplicated, James K. James, it's Friday. I think it's the last cold weekend of the year. Probably wrong, but I'm just going to hold on to that feeling because if you hold on to it enough, it becomes true. How are you feeling, man? <laughs> cold, man. I'm cold. It's been uh, it, it's been a lot, but it's been a good Friday so far. Got some great questions coming from the mailbag, which is just, oh, it's the best. So happy that we got to hear from some of the people that listen to the show. And I've been kind of pumped up for this since we got like eight questions yesterday on Twitter. So I'm ready. Seriously. Chris. I'm ready. I uh, wore my Jeopardy hat because we're because it's questions day. <laughs> Love so, it. As always, thank you for everybody who tunes in, listens to the Skyhook. If you want to get your question onto the world famous Skyhook podcast, please email us at the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com. Once again, that's the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com, or you can always follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Skyhook Pod. All right. James, we're getting into things here with longtime listener, first-time emailer, Emmy Jenkins. Seeming that most teams have all their major pieces set, where do we see this Sky roster ranking? Question I know a lot of people have. Uh, and looking down the line as well, Emmy asks, what would a first-round matchup of Sky versus Liberty look like with Courtney Vandersloot on the other team, of course, assuming and hoping that everyone is healthy? How do you feel about that? It's so hard to answer that second question just because there's so many different pieces that the sky just have to, you know, we have to see them in training camp, see how those pieces fit together. If we're just going off of what everything looks like on paper, I will say, I think there are three teams that are like firmly in my first tier of contenders. And I think you can guess the first two, Christopher, it is the Las <laughs> Vegas aces and the New York Liberty. And the other one that at first I didn't love their offseason, just just feeling it out more than just like sitting down, writing down my thoughts, which is what I try to do before we hop on these shows. But I think the Mystics have to be in that conversation as well. And there's they're a different team than those first two teams where the star talent might not necessarily pop out at you, even though it probably should. I mean, I think. Everyone knows my feelings towards Ariel Atkins after we talked about her on, at length on the show. I think they're going to be really hard to score against this year with the potential leap of Shakira Austin in the post. You have someone like Elena Deladon, who I believe said she feels like the healthiest she's been in a long time, which is should scare the hell out of yeah. WNBA teams. I think Brittany Sykes is... Also, just you added her to with Natasha Cloud and Ariel Atkins on the perimeter, and you just have a really solid defensive team up and down that roster. I kind of feel like the Sky aren't in that top tier, but I because I just feel so strongly, but I do think they're in that second tier, which is just all over the I mean, I do think that the Sky could really finish as high as fourth, or again, like depending on how injuries play out and how the sky are able to kind of figure things out down low defensively outside of Elizabeth Williams and offensively, quite honestly, I mean, they're, it's a short front court. 
I think this team could also finish a little bit lower in in the standings as well because of those things. But I do think this is a wide open second tier in the WNBA right now. But how do you feel about it? I mean, do you have any strong feelings about where Chicago is at amongst some of the amongst these 12 teams in the WNBA? I think you're right. It's a wide ranging middle class. And part of that is because the um the the Aces and Liberty uh Justice Leagued up. And so you have, you know, a good amount of quality players that filtered out and other teams, you know, were in that position that the sky were in where they had to be competitive. They had to make uh splashes and and make do with the players that were out there. And again, I want to make that it's clear that there were quality players to be had. But to stay, you know, keep up with the Joneses, a good amount of teams had to make moves to fill their roster out. Uh, Chicago and Seattle among them, and and Los Angeles, who we've talked about extensively over the winter. So I think with the Sky's roster, I know, you know, I'm not going to put a prediction on on wins. It's not going to be as high quality of basketball, I think, as you've seen from the Sky over the past uh, three, four seasons, excluding the bubble, which was just really a, a, a roll of the dice. It's It's just going to be different. It's definitely going to be different, and I know we'll get into that later. It'll be, but I think it'll be competitive. That's the that's the main point that I, I wanted everybody to take away from the last podcast that we had. This guy had to remain competitive in this landscape, and and they have. I really do think that they have. There'll be some nights where they get run. There'll be some nights where they do the running. Uh, but it's a it's a competitive roster. Now, as you said, we haven't seen them yet play together. And so we won't get the chance to see that until training camp and until those preseason games to really see how things fit. And even the first month, we won't know how they're really gelling together. So it's hard to say where they'll rank um, because I don't like to make decisions just based on paper because that doesn't always shake out the way that, you know, you would expect it to. Uh, that first round matchup, though, if they make the playoffs against Liberty, I can definitively say it'll be weird, you know, because we'll <laughs> be looking at Van Usloot in a different jersey for the first time since she left Gonzaga. So it's going to be odd. Um, I think that it will be it would be an interesting series um, because of the way that the Sky's roster is constructed. When you have players who are shorter up front. Uh, going up against a front court with John Quill Jones and Brianna Stewart, you're going to have to use your mobility and speed in order to stay in games a lot. And you're going to have to try and, I think, swarm defensively in order to get the ball out of their hands and make those players uncomfortable. So, again, have to see how the sky develop over the season. But it could be an interesting series, not saying that the Sky would win because you have that team on paper and it, it would be an absolute failure if they don't get out of the first round of the playoffs. But stranger things have happened. You never know. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't think the Sky would win in a three-game series against that Liberty team right now. But one thing that when I spoke with James Wade yesterday – and he mentioned this in the media availabilities as well, just about how our team in April is going to look much different than the one in August and September when they've had time to mesh. And 
again, the I think talent just kind of wins out in the WNBA and pretty much in all pro sports, quite honestly, like the in the playoffs, I mean. And if this guy's identity on offense is going to be around being a really good team in transition, that's how you're going to generate a lot of points. When the game slows down in the playoffs, and that's kind of taken away from you to a certain degree, I don't think anyone's going to be able to stop Kalia Copper in transition. Or, you know, I think Marina Mabry also opens up a lot of things for them, despite losing Sloot. I can't say that I think the sky can beat the Liberty right now, but I would think people should just focus on that part. What it looks like in April is not what it's going to look like down the line. So this team is going to need to have, people are going to need to have some patience with the team. I think at the beginning is the continuity, despite like the previous experiences, some of these players have had playing with each other is still not going to be there until you play in a new system. And, Again, just with different roles that are carved out and also still new players. Like, not everyone has played together. So, but yeah, no, I think that's an interesting one. Do you want to get to the next question or do you have any final thoughts on that one? No, no. Thank you, Emmy, for, for a really good question. I uh, appreciate that. And then, kind of going back in as we were discussing the roster construction uh, from the Edmund Fitzgerald, I'm assuming not the namesake of the ship. Uh, possibly named after the ship. Uh, how do you feel about the Sky Bigs? With seven of the last eight league MVPs being six foot four or taller, is the league in a place where you need a dominant forward or center to be competitive? Is a team built around a shorter backcourt stars like the Sky at a disadvantage? That's a really interesting question, um, especially because I put forth um, on War Media last year before the season. Uh, when the the great Drew Stevens asked me how I felt about Kalia Copper, I answered without hesitation, MVP caliber player. And I still believe that. And Kalia is, you know, a combo guard for small forward at six foot one. But I still think that she could be a league MVP. I think the WNBA to to that regard, just to answer that part of the question, I think it's it's catching up with basketball on the whole, where the game is becoming somewhat more perimeter-oriented. Granted, you still have the advantage with players who can operate in the post the way that the women's game has evolved uh, since its beginning and then, you know, heightened. When it really took off in the 70s, 80s to now, there's still an advantage for players who can operate in the post and mid-range. That's why you have Candace Parker and Brianna Stewart and John Paul Jones even as your marquee players in this league, but I think even with a shorter front court, the sky has a fairly tall backcourt with uh, Marina Mabry being 5'11", and um, even even Courtney Williams at 5'8", there's, you know, that's compared to Dana Evans, 5'6", maybe 5'5 five, five and a half, and um, Mabry's 5'11". So it's, it's an odd thing because that's, I think that's why the sky are going to have to run and try and get a good amount of points in transition and then operate out of that uh, mid-post perimeter area in order to have good success because they don't necessarily have the advantage at or around the rim that other teams might. Now, that said, you said, uh, you brought up this point on the introductory press conference with Isabel Henderson. 
that the sky generated the most points at the rim. I think over the last four or five seasons, you said, and with her being a player that likes to play at the rim, they'll have success there too. But I don't necessarily think that they'll be at a major disadvantage just because one, Harrison and Williams are two very experienced players and they've stuck in this league for uh, the time that they have because they know how to score and they know how to play defense, which ideally would lead to points at the other end. This is why I disagree with that a little bit. Um, and also just to mold these two questions together too, just AJ Johnson also asked us just about, shouldn't Sky fans be lamenting Emma Miesemann not coming back after, you know, he saw what she's been doing overseas and it just, she, he says like, it's a huge loss on both ends of the floor that it feels like people aren't talking about. Um, I do think this guy losing that size in the front court is actually pretty significant because look at how things went with Courtney Vandersloot and Allie Quigley before Candace Parker and Azrae Stevens came. Like that was a that duo was really solid. And Allie Quigley was a three-time all-star. Courtney was breaking all these assist records, but they didn't have that production in the paint as much. They had they had to develop Cheyenne Parker into someone who could go out and get the contract that she got with Atlanta. They needed to, they mean they, they ended up developing as a Ray Stevens, but again, like, you know, Steph Dolson had had her ups and downs in Chicago with consistency. You just looked at like what was missing with that Sky team. And to me, it was like an elite front court player, like front court center, power forward in Candace Parker. And this was also a season like in 2021 in the second half, you saw the promise of Azare Stevens and even the first like eight games in 2020 about Azare Stevens showing what she can do on both ends of the floor and that's when the sky started to take that next step and while I, I really love the Elizabeth Williams signing like I especially when the sky struck out and they weren't able to bring back Candace Azare and Emma bringing in someone like Elizabeth Williams was just important and for Again, 135K for someone that's just been a statistically like a really solid rib protector. That was a good deal. But in terms of this guy's entire situation, like I, th I think it's going to be interesting to see how they use Alana Smith. I do think Alana Smith, they, and I can, again, just talking with James, he said that she for sure has a spot on the roster this upcoming season. And you know, if she's able to find what she was able to do in that last year at Stanford, where she just went ballistic from beyond the arc and is able to take what she's done building off of her game in the post in Poland and bring it over here, like that'll be the shot that they took with offering her a spot without seeing how it would translate back into the W could definitely pay off. But I just think there's a history here where if you need elite front court players in this league, even as the league does start to evolve and the aces really dictating that. Um, and not just the aces. I mean, even you got to give Washington credit. You got to give Seattle credit too, for what they've been able to do in terms of generating points from the perimeter. But I still think in this league, that's still developing that having those type of players in the post is just really important to be a championship team. What I what I want to see is how the sky play the play the uh, defensive boards. If, you know, you would expect that to take a step back, uh, of course, without having Candace Parker and and Evan Mason. 
but just checking, like looking at the numbers from last year, this guy was sixth in the league total rebounds, uh, partially because they didn't grab a high percentage of offensive rebounds, but they were third in the league at um, hitting the defensive glass. And that was an increase over the previous year. So you would expect that to take a step back, but you're going to have to get somewhat creative, um, both I think in the way that you use your, your roster early on, and then how do you orient yourself defensively in order to ensure one shot and other teams not having multiple opportunities? Because I think with the best teams, there's some teams who can just, you know, shoot the lights out. Like Las Vegas at their best could really, really, really score and just bury you that way and then kind of hand it over defensively late to Asia Wilson and prevent teams from getting to the glass and slowing the game down at the free throw line. But I think the best teams create second chance opportunities for themselves when their shots aren't falling. And that's what's going to be tough nominally against a team like New York with John Quill Jones and Brianna Stewart. And you would expect with a team like you mentioned, Washington with Shakira Austin and Elena Deladon. So that I think is where, and I, and I want to reiterate, I think it's, they won't be at a major disadvantage to necessarily the sky this year because of that slightly smaller front court, but it'll be a question to see, can they keep teams off of the offensive boards? That's what I, I really want to see from them over um, scoring or, or offensive output. Yeah. And I don't have a firm opinion on any of this stuff again, until we were able to go to training camp and just see how some of this looks like it wouldn't surprise me if S is able to have a bounce back season too. I mean, I think she's taller than six, three, which I think, definitely. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, I'm not breaking any news there. So we'll just see what this, this front court ends up looking like. Like, I think I'm more intrigued by Alana Smith than some of the people that I've talked to about this guy getting her again. She's, she's had a really difficult start to her WNBA career, but there is just something about letting these players develop a little bit and just have some more breathing room or they can then come into a situation and thrive or just be really, just be solid. You know, like your success story in the WNBA doesn't have to be, okay, you made an all-star team. It can literally just be you've carved out your role on a team and got the opportunity to play in one of the best leagues in the world. So I think there's something to that. But let's check out this next question. I love this one, Chris. Um, <laughs> so Sharon Shabazz asked, should the Sky retire Candace Parker's number? I know it was only two years, but they were pretty significant years indeed. Not sure how I feel about someone wearing number three. And this was, quote, tweeting a graphic of Marina Mabry in a Chicago Sky uniform wearing number three, which is what she wore with Dallas. And also the, the Sky Show Shy followed that up with, what about 14 and 22, a.k.a. Ali Quigley's number and Courtney Vandersloot's number. Chris, I have a funny story about this one, but I want to let you, uh, I'll let you start. Let's just say that Marina Mabry, like it's not set in stone that she's going to wear number three next year. And this guy literally just took an old photo of her and just put her in a sky uniform, which again, we've seen that how many times, like it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case here. Well, how, how do you feel about this? Should the sky retire Candace's number? Uh, no. And I know oh, that's going to oh, turn some heads. And just, I knew, I know, I don't think so because 
you have players in, in other leagues who are stars and are established stars, whether it's with uh, one team or maybe two. But I think even if you, you win a championship, I think even if you win a title, if you only play for a team for two seasons, no matter the history behind it, I wouldn't retire that player's number with that team. If you get to the point where Candace plays another two or three, wins another title, you could talk about retiring her number like league-wide, something like that. But even then, it's for something that's really only done in extremely extraordinary cases. I think we've only seen it the one time in Major League Baseball because that was a history-changing thing. And even then, it took them 50 years to do it. Well, that's probably because so, of how racist the MLB is more than they're like, you know what, we got to wait. <laughs> uh, so I, I think Candace's number should be retired with the Sparks, if anywhere, because that's where she made herself one of the top tier players in WNBA history. Coming to Chicago and getting them a championship was so extraordinarily special, but I don't think that it's worth retiring. Uh, her number. Courtney Vanderson's number, on the other hand, should absolutely, I think, that you take that out of circulation um, until she hangs it up and decides that, okay, I'm going to come back and we're going to have a ceremony and we're going to make a big deal out of it and all of that. But because she, she started here, she stuck it out through lean times, she stuck it out through good times, and then there was that valley where you didn't know if they were going to make it back to the finals after that cameo appearance, and then she came through, won a chip, and damn near got to the chance to play for another one. And that, that tenure is really what makes the difference, I think. And I, I, that's why I want to be very clear about this. I'm almost on the fence with Allie, but it was, it was a similar situation because this is where she, only because she had the, the time with the other teams, but I think that's not really, that's really negligible in terms of where she cemented herself as a quality player. And I think it's this. If you become the franchise that retires the, uh, the numbers of players who like, have a sentimental uh, feel with the fans rather than the players who have made significant contributions to your, to your franchise history, then it becomes somewhat of, of a... Um, of a burlesque in the, in the traditional sense of the word. Like it becomes almost a, a there's, there's a word for it I can't think, like a pastiche. And it's not as, it doesn't mean as much. And it's tough, and like, it's tough. And I know that everybody will excoriate me for saying we shouldn't retire Kansas' number, but it was two seasons. It was just those two seasons. One of them was very good. The other one was spectacular for, for both her and the team. But I don't, it's, it's not enough for me. And, Whereas Allie and, and Courtney were here for that time and they were day in, day out. You expected to shoot, see, go show up to the arena, see them put in work and be like just enamored of it. I think that's what part of, part of those, having those two along with Elena Deladon is what drew me into reporting for this team in the first place. So that's why, that's why I say what I do. You retire 14-22, but you don't retire three here. You retired in Los Angeles. I have so many thoughts after that. Okay. <laughs> so one, just off that last point, you can retire a player's number on multiple teams. I believe the Red Sox and White Sox have both retired number 27 for Carlton Fisk and 72 
for the White Sox uh, when he played there. So that's what I don't think there's any firm rules on that. I think obviously Canis number should be retired in Los Angeles. And um, here I value impact over the time of service, quite honestly. And seeing Candace Parker, especially last season, just seeing how people looked up to her or just like looked to her in an on-court situations, off the court too, you could tell that she really just connected with these people. And, and even like Dana Evans talked about how Candace helped her be more of a business person. Like that impact that you have that just like someone that cares about the team on and off the floor. I think there's like that, that type of impact is something that can surpass having played with the team for that long. And I also think when you talk about retiring a player's number, the impact that they have on the organization and how that kind of is magnified within the, the city that you play in the sky. were just not that team that people cared that much about until Candace Parker came to Chicago and whether that's right or wrong, uh, I think is a difference, but like with the reality of it was that when Candace Parker came here and helped this guy win a championship, the atmosphere around the team changed dramatically. You couldn't walk down the street anywhere in Chicago now and people don't know who the Chicago Sky are. Like it was a big deal. It is something that even the numbers at the Chicago Tribune, when I was writing for them, the numbers were better than was going on with any other sports in the area at that time in terms of like people really gave a fuck and with candace i just think you can't really tell the sky story anymore without talking about her coming to chicago solidifying herself quite honest at least in my opinion as one of the best chicago athletes of all time even going back to her time in high school um competing in this area not i mean not just naperville obviously but i mean like you know, she played travel ball around here as well. So I think when you look at that, just that impact to me is just going to override any other impact, quite honestly, than than any player that's been around long enough. Like, I think that she deserves it probably more than just take another random Sky player of significance. Like, like let's just say Candace Dupree. Just that's the first name that came to my head, for example. Like Candace Dupree, one of the most underrated WNBA players of all time, one of the most consistent players in WNBA history. I don't think that her impact being on the team for a decent amount of time and again, like becoming an all-star over there is as like impactful than what Candace did in two seasons in Chicago. Um and do you want to respond to that before I talk about Ali and Slute? Because again, I have a funny story. Like <laughs> it came after this. No, no, I want you to go. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, <laughs> um, when the sky <laughs> after game like the you know in game four, you know, Brittany Griner puts up the shot, misses. Candace gets the rebounds, dribbles down the floor, and everything. Everyone's so excited. Media goes onto the floor, and all these people keep flooding in that like from the organization that I actually never met before. And I saw Michael Alter on the floor and I'm like, okay, I haven't talked to Michael Alter since the first time I met him in 2018 when it was my first time at Wintrust arena. And I was so fucking nervous as someone who's just like socially awkward that I was just in the wrong place. Like I'm like, my hands were so sweaty. I shook his hand and I saw him wipe it off as in like my hands were that sweaty so i hadn't seen him since that point and i 
I just go up to him and like, you know, again, this is probably the best moment that he's had as the owner of the Chicago Sky. And I'm like, I can't believe I asked him that. I was, I was just like, the adrenaline was just so high. I'm like, okay, now that I asked him a couple of questions. And then I said, the last one, Courtney and Allie have been here for so long. Like it means so, I know that it means so much for them to win a championship. Does this mean how that you guys are going to like, what are your thoughts on retiring 14 and 22? He just looked at me as in like, dude, we just won the championship five minutes ago, maybe, you know, <laughs> like, what are we talking about? Like he, 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 he got looked. And then he's just like, you know, I think you're a little bit far ahead on that one right now. We're just happy we won a championship. And I walked away. I'm like, hey, idiot. Like, just because you've had this thought for a while now, like, don't, like, this is the alters and the Chicago Skies moment right now. Don't pester him with this fucking stupid question at the moment. I mean, I think it's relevant for, if it was like two days after that, if I had saw Michael Alter, I probably would have asked him that if I hadn't asked him hit on the floor that night, but all I guess I'm saying is that I didn't get any confirmation on 14 and 22 being retired, but I am <laughs> sure that those are the first two numbers. Like, honestly, I think 14, 22, and three should never be worn again. And the impact those three players have made in such different capacities with such different stories to get to the point where they are at, at that point of winning a championship in Chicago and what's going to be coming after that this year as well. Like, it's not just 21 and 22 it's the conversations that are going to be happening because of what happened and how they again help lead this team to a championship and put this team on the map for years to come so what's here what's the pushback i'm because i you got this look in your face you're like <laughs> no 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 i think that was it i i i appreciate your point and i think a lot of people would have the same point because what candace did was special and i'm not i'm not underselling that i just think that that service time really really does mean something What's the um, number? Like, what's the number of years that if you're the next owner of the Chicago Sky, congrats on that one. You ooh. are you. What's the number like of years of service? At least six seasons. And a, wait, what did you just say? Um, as a, at least six seasons. <laughs> they said six and a, 60, and a movie. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Chris. Six, six, six seasons and and a movie. There has to be a movie <laughs> made about your time with the team. <laughs> Shout out to everybody who got that one. Hell yeah. Um, I just, at, at least six years, because Candace was that known commodity by the time she got to connect with this city here. And I still wouldn't put that, that number up in the rafters just because I know it's going to be weird for people, but I don't want to just say, hey, I'm not going to give you the chance to get used to somebody else wearing this number. There's going to be pressure on Marina Mabry if she does wear number three because the, it was it means a lot to a lot of people. A lot of people are Candace Parker fans first and foremost, and more power to them. But I I wouldn't retire a number here. I, I just wouldn't because of of that reason. Totally fair. I think there's actually more people than you would think that probably agree about the time of service. Just that. If it's not someone like Cam, like let's just say it was, um, I don't know, some random player that was like the third leading scorer on the team who, I don't know, had of many key moments in the finals that ended up helping this guy win a championship, let's just say. And they didn't have the same pedigree as Candace Parker. 
you can't retire that person's number. Like it, it has to be so much more beyond what happens on the court. So in that regard, I definitely agree with you that that's probably the time of service, I think, should matter to a certain degree. But when it's someone like Candace and it just again, just us living through it, it just felt I, I wouldn't be mad if this guy retired number three. Um, for this next one, Sharon, again, like what is the future with Lee? I talk again, just talking with James yesterday, Lee wants to be back in the WNBA and it's just a fluid situation where the sky are just figuring out what is like, what her availability is going to be throughout the entire season. I think last season was a little bit jarring for them. Like right before the start of the playoffs that the Chinese national team, when they saw that like Lee wasn't getting enough playing time. And I think that's just more what I think it is quite honestly, because Han Shu was able to stay on the Liberty's roster ahead of the world cup that, you know, when Lee wasn't getting as many minutes, they wanted her, her to be in game shape and be ready to go. Once that was starting, like right after the WNBA season and just going off that point of they want the entire team from April to September to be all together so that they can build that continuity. And I mean, that's how they're going to be successful this season is really building off each other and making it work that way. I mean, I don't think they, again, I don't, I didn't talk with James about this specific part because I only had 20 minutes with him, but I think there could potentially be a role with Lee with this team, just given that she's someone that lives in the paint. And if this guy are trying to be bruisers this season in the paint, that there might be a role for her. I still question how it's going to work in transition. She's not the fastest person in the world. And if you're going to try to also generate points in transition, you can't be like trailing too far behind in the offense um, as much as having it being effective trailer. We've seen it work with players in this offense. So um, do you think this like this guy should try to retain Lee for this upcoming season? Like, yeah, I'm curious about like what you've seen from her where you can maybe see uh see it work here in Chicago this year now that it's gonna be a different offense. It's interesting because uh the fans connected with Lee a lot. I think yeah. the team connected with Lee a lot last year and they brought her over for a reason. The coaching staff liked her. It's a slightly different coaching staff this year, but I think that if you can get a player who can stick, stick with them. You know, if if Lee gets time this year and she moves somewhere else, then great. She's got a career that's going and she's playing as like like you said, a, in the highest possible professional basketball in the world. And that's gonna make her a better player. The problem is is what you say. I don't know if there's a spot for her on the roster with the current construction and with the plan, but they're keeping they've mentioned her, I think. The fact that the team is still considering her and they didn't just give up her rights outright means something yeah i want to see what she can do a player of her size and the touch that she does have around the rim that that she's shown at times i'm just watching her tape in china and in international competitions there's some promise there's got to be some promise when you're that young at that size um as long as you can get up and down the court and stave off any lower body lower leg injuries you know obviously fingers crossed i think that's what usually just comes up with players of her height then she's got it. She's got a chance to be something quality, to be a quality player. And I would love to see it because honestly, because I know the fans would love to see it. And she just is that, has that effervescent personality, literally so kawaii. 
that you just, I feel like you cannot help but want Lee to be successful. Oh, yeah. She definitely has a personality that I'm not even, I'm not going to lie to you, Chris. I thought that it was a foregone conclusion that Lee wasn't going to come back, quite honestly, just because I thought they were going to be able to maintain enough of the players to, again, maintain the offense that we've seen from the sky over the last few seasons. Mm-hmm. I was planning on, initially, I was going to try to learn Chinese so that I could actually try to interview uh, uh-huh. Lee because I, it's just been, I mean, her story should still be told. And just because we don't speak her language, I was like, okay. Like at last, uh, when she came into the fold, I was like, fuck, dude, you got to try to work hard with that. And I signed up for some fall classes that when this whole thing with the Chinese national team went down and James Wade being pretty transparent about how that team handled the situation, which I totally get from his standpoint of like, Hey, you didn't indicate to me that she wasn't going to be available for the postseason. Like, it's always good to have fresh bodies, man. And just to lose one like that, I mean, I don't think she would have gotten that much playing time. But like, it's still, oh, you always just want to have as much options at your disposal as, as much as you can. And I think that that personality is something that I hope we get to see a little bit more from her if she's with the team in 2023. I still. I still am a little bit skeptical about it. And where that leaves Ruthie, who's in the last year of her contract, I'm just, her final year is protected and her rookie scale contract. So yeah, we'll see. Um, Any other Lee thoughts before we move on? No, no. I, like I said, I I want Lee to be successful. It's, I was thinking of, of Ruthie, even though I didn't mention her in my answer, because always, always, always want Ruthie to get more time to, to get more time to show what she's got because we've really only seen extended time for Ruthie in the bubble. And I know, again, I said the bubble was like a really, a really big roll of the dice, but man, it's, it's tough when you have it. And, and Lee and Ruthie would make that front, that short front court question that we talked about a little bit more murky. Yeah. So and that's, that's all I can really say is, is I think we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see, you know, James, I think, as the saying goes, it's near the end of the month, so it's probably about time for us to pay some bills um, as we've gotten halfway through our mailbag questions. So we'd like to give you some words about the sponsor of this episode, BetStamp. Sky fans, WNBA fans, a lot of you might be looking at these two super teams that have formed on either coast and think, you know, I want to put a bet out there that one of these teams is going to win the WNBA finals. The problem is there's so many sports books out there, you don't necessarily know which one to go to to get the best odds for the bet that you want to place, whether it's a dollar, ten dollars, or a hundred dollars. Well, BetStamp is a great app that you can use to find exactly which sports books would give you the best odds on your WNBA futures bet or any bet that you'd want to make on any professional league. It aggregates all of the odds from each sports books, all of the North American sports books from PointsBet, FanDuel to Bet Rivers, and you can easily search through and see which has the best odds for the bet that you want to make. You can also follow users through the BetStamp app and see how their bets have fared, go through analysis, and follow some of their picks. You can follow us, yours truly, the Skyhook Podcast, on BetStamp as well. So... Check out BetStamp. Look for BetStamp in the Apple Store, 
and Google Play and the Android Store. And when you sign up, use our promo code the Skyhook Pod when you sign up. Again, that's the Skyhook Pod when you sign up for Betstamp. We want to thank them for sponsoring this episode, and we want to thank you once again for listening and for sending in your questions. Man, I love man, I love mailbag questions. I'm a sucker for them, Chris. I'm a sucker for them. We have another one here from AJ Johnson. And right. Oh, no, excuse me. We got one from. Oh, yeah, we can't switch. We can't skip this. Yeah. <laughs> Master Bear Jedi. Fucking amazing Twitter handle, so, by the way. Um, love you, man. You interact with us all the time. And we appreciate it. Absolutely. And the review that they just left was just. Oh, the the most recent one just made my week. So appreciate you so much. Um, This question relates to Annalie Maley. Master Bear Jedi asks, prospects on Annalie Maley sticking on the roster this year and how she might fit in. I I really like this because we got that indication of how the, with the roster construction, how this guy wanted to play. And she fits in with that so well because of her motor and her commitment to uh, the defensive work. I, I will say, I don't think that she's going to get beyond that training camp uh, contract, but I think another team would pick her up um, at some point during the season. And with her having a second look and, and the, both the Sky and other teams being able to see what she did in the early part of the season last year, I think there's a good prospect of Anley Maley having a quality career in the WNBA at this point. We haven't really been able to see her on offense, but there's always going to be a place for somebody who is tireless or near tireless and will work defensively and her I think at her height and her her wingspan I didn't say that there was five melees out there all the time last year for no reason like she was <laughs> she was a ball hawk she was always and almost always in the right place and really fit in well with that sky roster and and her and Rebecca Gardner on the floor at the same time was really <laughs> terrifying uh at times to watch so I don't think that she'll stick on the roster past the early part of the season, but I would look forward to seeing Annalie Maley on a roster consistently in 2023. Yeah, Chris, I love Annalie Maley's fit with the sky and talking with James, he said you can kind of figure out who the 10 players on the team are going to be heading into training camp. And I'm curious what that next spot or spots would look like and how like what they would value out of that last spot. I know Eric Nemchak, who hosts the Double Down WNBA podcast, which you should really check out if you don't already, with Stephen Trinkwald. Um, I think that he said something that he wants them to add another ball handler, which would definitely make sense. I think having any insurance on that end would make sense for this team that lost a lot of primary ball handling and secondary ball handling with Slew, Emma, Candice all being out of the picture for this upcoming year for the Sky. At the same time, I really think Annalie Maley could be a solid contributor for the Sky for the next couple of years. And the prospect of having her in the rotation, I think she can really help this team this year, potentially. And just good to have that type of insurance. James Wade talked about the importance of having good players on the roster in order to, to attract great players. I kind of think Annalie Maley is one of those could be one of those players potentially that gives you the sky a reason to attract all-star talent. Like when Jewel Lloyd 
is a free agent next year. She's been someone I've been thinking about a lot, Chris. Could mm-hmm. I think I just think Annalie Maley would make like again someone who's not going to cost you a ton of money, but also just someone that can be solid for you. Just having solid players is important, and that's why. Well, I think Eric is like his analysis of just I want this guy to have another ball handler is totally understandable. I just don't think I'd want to give up Annalie Maley for. Again, just I don't know what like what her market looks like, but I think that she would be great for this guy in 2023. I like I said, I agree. I'm not sure where where it'll come what what it'll come down to ultimately. I really like her, but I'm not I'm not a GM. I'm not even the GM. You know, I might be the new owner of the team, as we said before, but I'm not the general manager. So yet, I'm never. I've got to get to like the video assistant coach first before I get to that point. <laughs> I got to be the video manager. Ball boy uh, first and then general manager. I mean, work your way up. Just, you know, slowly but surely work your way up. I'll get on the practice squad. I'm tall. You know, I can, I can, I can be help side defense. You know what? You're not even wrong, forget, man. Forget the rest of the podcast. James. I, I will be on the practice squad. I will, uh, you know, I played played some basketball. So. Um, anyway, I think that she would be a good fit. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I just don't necessarily know how it's going to shake out. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see. I, I would love to see her stick on the roster because I think she could be a very good asset for this team and the way that they want to play. Yeah. Going forward, AJ Johnson, once again, how does potentially expanding the league impact future drafts slash player movement? And could this play into James Wade thinking at all in terms of giving up uh, the first round picks for this year and next year? I think the main thing that you'll really see is a spreading of talent. And so what you have this year uh, coming to as we not to preamble the next question, but with we have these super teams, it's not in my head a done deal that they're going to be finalists once we hit September because of the fact that you have a 12-team league and you can still accumulate talent, even if the five or six best players go to two two teams, they still have a lot of talent that you can put together on other teams. Now, I don't want Sky fans to take this as as Chris Pennock saying the Sky can be championship contenders this year because I don't think so. But you're going to have some parity in the league because of that. Expanding the league spreads that talent out. And so you're going to have an expansion draft for whichever that expansion team is, whichever those two expansion teams are. I can't imagine the league going to an odd number of teams, even for one season. So you're going to have expansion drafts and you're going to see player movement. And I don't necessarily know if it'll put more of an emphasis or less of an emphasis on NCAA drafting. I actually think in the near future, depending on how the international players feel, I think you might see more international players taken in the lottery um, just based on the fact that people can see them more easily now. Mm. Um, not Playing just, harder leagues. Yeah. yeah, yeah, with Eurobasket and everything, I think you're going to have an opportunity to get to see more of them drafted in the lottery. Than the lottery. I don't think that played into his thinking necessarily. Uh, well, the, I think maybe the, the ability to... Uh, we, we saw his answer. He, James Wade is, is more about the known commodities than the unknowns. He is not Donald Rumsfeld. He does not care about the unknown unknowns. Um, he was taking the known knowns. So 
that's what played into his thinking there. But a really good question. Yeah, and just to put a bow tie on it, Kathy Engelbert also said recently that the league is going to look into expansion in the next couple of years so that the deadline that they had for adding an expansion team this year has been moved. So <laughs> I don't think that, I, I don't, I'm sure that James, in terms of the, like you said, not interested in the unknown, that, that even if there was this deadline, there was probably still an unknown if there was actually going to happen. I don't think that James Wade was really thinking about expansion when moving these first round picks. I really do think it's like what you just said, didn't value the number five pick as much. Uh, we're just no, knowing what he got in Marina Mabry, same thing with 2024. And if it's the risk of a, another pick, then that's just the risk they're going to take for someone that could be an all-star this upcoming season. This next one from Jay on Twitter, like you just alluded to Chris, like are having two super teams in the WNBA, a good thing for the league with Las Vegas and the Liberty signing the rest of the um what their signings, the rest of the teams really don't have a chance, is what Jay is saying here. No real parity. Does this move it forward? And I believe by it just talking about the league right now. Get good, man. That's all I'm gonna say when it comes to uh <laughs> things that aren't getting these like other star talent. Now I do think like we have no idea what's going on with this whole Las Vegas Aces situation. Very good point. Good and point. signing Candace Parker for a hundred thousand dollars after she played under a contract for a hundred and ninety-five thousand dollars. Hmm. I mean, it's not even just her contract, but like you know, Kia Stokes also taking a discount to come back to Las Vegas. I mean, we don't know what's going on with that whole situation. I just want to preface that answer with this. Um, at the same time, if these teams are able to make it work and are able to, within the, the constraints of the rules and what the CBA allows, are able to bring in high-end talent and they end up having super teams, sorry, 10 other teams, you didn't do good enough to get the other the players that those other teams just got and bring into the fold. There's so much that goes into building a super team. There's the development of the first round picks that you've had on the roster, like having Sabrina Inescu on a rookie scale contract, like the last year of a rookie scale contract is one of the reasons why they're able to bring in Brianna Stewart and Courtney Vandersloot. The same thing with the aces. They were able to sign all these players that they, it was homegrown talent for the most part outside of Chelsea gray, where yeah, they drafted Jackie Young. They drafted Kelsey Plum. They developed those players. They brought the best out of them and then were able to go out in free agency and build a quote-unquote super team. There's so many things that go into having, like if you, we should be rewarding teams for being able to go out and get the talent that they have. And I just am not ever going to complain about and I'm not saying Jay is it by any means, but like the the parody aspect of it, it's just like, okay, this is the year where we have two contenders at the top and probably in their own tier. Again, I'd still put the Mystics up there, but that's just what the situation is right now. And I think it actually is good for the league to have these two juggernauts because I think that in a league that cares so much about the bottom line, like all the time, this is why nothing is going to happen the Aces, in my opinion, outside of like a lost first round pick. They care about the bottom line. It's going to be good entertainment. And even the even three through 12 is going to be great entertainment. But the conversations around like the the long hanging fruit for some of these networks that don't necessarily put in a ton of effort to covering the WNBA now have something to 
or they can promote this more knowing that like you have a Sabrina Inescu, a Candace Parker, a Brianna Stewart, a John Quill Jones, these familiar faces that are just easier to promote. So in that sense, I think it, it helps with the league, but in terms of the parody, it's just never going to be something I'm overly concerned about unless it's, um, and again, it just has to happen legally though. It cannot happen under the table deals. So that's kind of where I stand with the parody across all sports. Um, I'm never, it's never going to bother me quite honestly, but how do you feel about it? I think it's difficult because I, I stand with when, when the NBA, when this, this trend really started in the, in the NBA uh, with guys coming together and talking to each other in the off season and then uh, taking, you know, pay cuts on free agency deals to, to join up on the team. I think that it, it, it put a taste in your mouth of guys kind of taking an easy way out. And this doesn't feel that way, but I still am not. I would, I loved the, I love it when teams can draft and create a quote unquote culture, say environment, when they can create an environment through their franchise and build camaraderie with the players that they pick up and develop them well, and then maybe get a free agent down the line and takes them over the top because of the fact that they've built that environment and culture, but you have homegrown players who've connected with the fans in that city. I love seeing that. Pretty much what the Spurs did for 20 years. They got their three guys, pulled them in, and were a competitive team that was pretty much almost always in the running for the championship. And honestly, the Sky did that to a degree as well because – before they picked up Candace Parker and Azrae Stevens, and then the next year picked up Emma Mieseman, they swung Kalia Copper and Steph Dolson in trade with, with, with the Washington. They drafted their stars, Courtney Vandersloot, Sylvia Fowles, um, Candace Dupree, uh, Elena Deladon. And then when those two stars, two of those stars left, they kept Courtney Vandersloot around. They got Allie Quigley and really brought her to the forefront drafted Diamond to Shields, uh, drafted Gabby Williams. Shout out to Amber Stocks, as always, once again, for making those astute picks. And then picking up the players that have traction with the fans now before they made those deals to take them over the top. So I, I get what you're saying. I, I disagree that there's, that there's a lack of parity because even if those teams, which you hardly ever see, get out of the gates extra hot, uh, there's still going to be some nights where they lose and there's still going to be questions that people throw up about them. It's going to be a much longer season than, than we've had before. And there's going to be times where they're going to falter and they're going to have to go through the same season as anybody else, even if they have that much talent, but it puts eyes on the league. I was talking to somebody last night who was not a WNBA fan, but a basketball fan and said that he had watched James and we argued over the quality of the league from when he had watched in like 2015 started watching and, going, going forward to now. And I talked about the fact that these two teams had, had linked up and he said, okay, that for sure is going to make me watch more. That is for sure going to be something where it's like, if I have to make a decision between watching this and watching that on a Sunday afternoon of this month, I'm going to be more inclined than I would have been in the past to watch that marquee matchup. And like it or not, you're a WNBA fan. That's going to be better for you and your league. I understand where you're coming from again, but in the long run, it's better. What I think we're going to see is a similar trend to what's happening in the, on the, in the men's league where teams 
are figuring out it might not be worth it, which is so funny to me. Because this is happening, I want to see how things shake out with the Liberty since Joe and Clarissa have had this experiment go so badly with the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> so they already have a blueprint of who not to bring in and how, how personalities don't necessarily mesh when you're trying to bring in free agents and create a blockbuster squad. So going to be interesting. But yeah, I think you and I are aligned on this one better for the league and doesn't necessarily discount um, um, parity. Did, did you have anything else on that one? Yeah, I just, again, I, I do think the NBA is always just going to be something to look at when evaluating the WNBA in terms of like the ter- the current trends. Just There are some similarities. And one of the biggest things we've learned from the NBA over the last few years is that you can't just throw all the talent together and assume that it's going to work. So even with that whole Kevin Durant thing, like that's not going to happen. That'll never happen again because of how crazy of a situation was with the TV revenue sharing and how the players asked for it all at once mm-hmm. in order to make it work under the salary cap. So, like, I think we're already seeing, like, the continuity just in basketball in general is going to be the most important thing to lean on here. And that's why I kind of think the Aces are probably ed- like just in the preseason. I mean, it's a lost cause trying to predict what the future is going to be, but... uh I think the aces are my pick right now. Just think just of who I, I think has the best shot at winning this upcoming season. We got one more question here, Chris. And th- again, thank you all for submitting these questions. This was so fun sorting through them. And yeah, we try to get to as many of them as possible. I think we got to all of them, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, this one's from Carol Gunia. I'm, maybe I'm pronouncing that wrong, but Carol Gunia how the ownership can invest in fans and the fan experience, especially the season ticket holders when prices went up this season and the product on the court took a big step back. One thing I'll say, Carol, is that we don't know how much, if it's going to be taking a step back longer season. um, I mean, again, look, the sky did lose a lot of premier talent off its roster. And I think we've talked about it, Chris, like how, they lost five of their top six players, at least also in terms of minutes output. Um, they're not going to have five of their top six players from last year coming back. But, man, in terms of ownership, like, I know what I want to let you touch on the ownership part. I'm just going to say this in terms of the connection with the fans. I really think that fan base is going to love this team. Like the different types of personalities. You have someone like who's so chill and Courtney Williams, who's just. Oh my God, I cannot wait to interview Courtney Williams this entire season. She's so laid back. And then you have someone like Marina Mabry, who's so intense and has that grit. And then you have a a blend of the two and Kalia Copper. And having a stew back too, like, again, just like the the mesh of these personalities, I think is just really interesting. And Elizabeth Williams too, like another calm and collected person here, but you could kind of tell she has a little bit of a funnier side during the press, like the media availabilities the other day i know that in my again when you lose all-time great talent that the sky lost this past offseason that as a season ticket holder you want to see your team win and be at the top of the league like the sky were last year i still think there are ways to enjoy a professional sports team that go outside of just the winning aspect of it but i think it's fair to one i mean again ticket prices went up you know, good for the sky for being able to pull that off too. Just like there's a high demand and 
they were able to make some money out of this in a time like when we've seen there not be as much interest in this team. So how would you like to see ownership though, Chris, like invest in the fans and the fan experience? Cause when I was thinking about this earlier and nothing came to mind immediately. Also, this question was like submitted like 30 minutes before the podcast. So I think I didn't have a chance to like sit down and write down some of these thoughts, but is there anything that comes to mind for you in terms of ownership investment in the fan experience? Yeah, really do some things out in the community. Um, have some theme, have some more theme days or theme nights that um, speak to your your audience. This this actually came up on uh, spaces that I was lucky enough to be on, invited by Stephen Stephen Garner and um, Kristen Braswell, and then Sabria Whitick was on that as well. And the the question of of marketing and outreach came up. Yeah, there's there's so there are a lot of, of things that the sky have not taken advantage of yet, like having a DePaul night, having a a specific college night for just the area schools, even having a um, community college night would be something really cool, I think, for because there's there's athletic teams there and you could do an outreach with the players, have them, you know, talk to the to um, some of the younger players, rookies, take photos before the game, do something like that, reach out and have a have a, a quality pride night something like that, and then do some more community outreach in underserved areas of the city. I think there's a lot of things that the sky can take advantage of beyond the things that we've all talked about them doing, which is having more public advertising and and getting those players' names out so we see them before, during, and after the season. Uh, I think league-wide is more a question of merchandise that uh, when people bring that up. And there's an opportunity there too, but I really, really believe that they can um, just get out in the community, uh, the South and the West sides and show that part of the city that, Hey, we want you here and then they will come. What I brought up on that space was with the, when the Chicago fire incorporated, they, I think really, really well identified what their base would be. And they've taken great pains to consolidate and really make a point of advertising and getting that base. They brought in Peter Novak, Polish great soccer player, being in Chicago, knowing that that community would flock to that team. Um, they brought in Cuauhtémoc Blanco and other Mexican players, knowing that that community in this city would flock to that team. And even as the Fires, you know, their, their stature in the MLS has waned, that fan base has remained solid and secure and they and it's expanded with more people who like soccer and got on with the team even before they brought in the the like reserve stars that you can bring in from big big time leagues so the sky have to be able to do that they have to be able to reach out to the queer people of chicago the people of color who are going to support the team they have to utilize the fact that they are technically on the south side of the city, even if it, that 22nd Street South Loop isn't necessarily what we think of as the south side, and really reach out to that south side base that can easily get to the stadium um, when you have these games. So the camp days are good. The marketing that they've done is, is underwhelming and could be better, but those are opportunities that you have to really improve and increase fan experience, especially in, as Carol said, when ticket prices are going up, you're gonna have to make a, you're gonna have to make a point to give people a reason to come outside of the play on the court and the area around the arena. 
that was so much better than anything that I was going to have to say about this matter, man. I mean, that's, you nailed it. I mean, it's, that outreach is something that we've seen people ask for for years now. And I think it's just so important at this point too. I love that idea with the DePaul aspect of it. I wonder how hard it would be just with people from all around the country potentially going to DePaul to make that happen. But like, in the summer, you know, when they're not all on campus. But at the same time, Anissa Moro is gonna be like gonna be in the area. I mean, she's from around here, so kind of love that, man. I think that's a really I think you hit on a lot of them because it's so hard for me to evaluate the fan experience when I'm a reporter whenever I'm at the sky, like a sky game, I'm at work. <laughs> you know, I'm not really <laughs> it's hard for me to like just sit back and enjoy. Um, anything and I'm sure that like with you too man like you're taking notes you're in the media section you're looking down starting to see what's going on like sometimes it's hard to just take a step back and like talk to the fans about the about their experience and what they want Um, that's something that I'm going to definitely try to be better at this upcoming season I do know people are not happy with the increase in price after everything that's happened with the team but I it's the same way I feel about WNBA League Pass when it continues to rise in price it's also an investment in the thing that you love and i think there's something to be said even if you can get in for free let's just say but you feel like you can give a little bit more of the like something that you want to support like i know a lot of people are not in that financial situation and i'm not i'm you know i think that's a different thing but if you feel like you can financially contribute to something that you care about i think that support whether it's financial or emotional is something that's worth investing in but um yeah chris i feel like we covered a lot on this mailbag just now um do you have any final thoughts or did we just completely empty the reporter's notebook here i feel like we just uh (laughs) gave it all up no i i love these questions again um i don't want to sound like i'm just jocking uh our listeners because of the fact that you you keep us going, but I really, really do enjoy the fact that y'all think of these questions and are comfortable enough sharing to ask us, not only because that's that's difficult, I think, for anybody, but because you feel like we're going to give a quality answer. So that shows that you have a lot of trust in us, and we appreciate that for sure. I, I love these questions. I love the last one from Carol for sure, because that I do try to to um, get in touch with with people when I can, especially if I come late and press row is full. I'm like, well, let me just find a seat in the crowd so I can maybe talk to people or hear what they're saying, uh, which is how I ended up getting uh, that Kalia Copper uh, dad that the, that little video of the guy who had Kalia's jersey on and was going absolutely fucking wild in up top. <laughs> I think it was game game five of the semis last year because that was such a very, it was a very crystalline moment in this team's history that this guy in this moment, who you might've, if you see him without this jersey, you might assume this, this, and this, was making his point to come to Wintrust Arena for the playoffs. And he's like, I've got my Kalia Copper jersey ready to go. And I know who I'm cheering for and all that. So yeah. I want that when we have that question about fan experience, that's he is a part of that. And so are so many other people who are in the stands that I that I want to get information from. But every single question we had, thank you for it. 
one more time, I, I, we should say thank you to Betstamp for sponsoring our podcast in this episode. Friends, if you're looking for a place to find the best odds on any sports betting you want to make, if you're starting your sports betting career or looking to improve your sports betting career, Betstamp is definitely the way to go. They aggregate odds so you can line shop from uh, the most prominent North American sports books. You can keep track of your betting history and analyze it and see how to improve your sports betting career. And you can also follow users like us, your friends at the Skyhook Podcast, and follow their lines and make some money that way. So please go to the Betstamp app in the Apple Store, Google Play, and the Android Store, and use the, use the promo code, the Skyhook Pod, when you sign up. Once again, that is the Skyhook Pod when you sign up for Betstamp. So natural at it, man. <laughs> <laughs> we're born for this oh my god um no absolutely again thanks so much for bet stamp and if you want to help us out too if you aren't interested in betting i mean please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts um that helps us maybe hopefully maintain this sponsorship with bet stamp so yeah if you guys could take a few seconds to do that and if you want to hit us up on the mailbag you know where to find us there all we have uh what's going on chris you got, you got this smile on your face i love it man i just i'm so i'm so happy right now it's <laughs> come really, far it's a very fun episode absolutely and yeah again guys even if we're not doing a mailbag episode if you have a question for us hit us up there at the skyhook mailbag at gmail.com so that you know we'll maybe we'll just bring it up on the show sometime as well so and we're recording these pretty regularly now. So hit us up anytime. We appreciate you taking some time out of your day to be with us as we talk about the 2023 Chicago Sky. And until next time.